Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. This morning I want to talk to you guys about our time. I want to talk about how we spend our time, about how God um, has called us to use our time. And if you want to talk to somebody who has thought a lot about time and how God has called us to use our time, and who has thought about it a lot recently, um, you can hit up Tony Tucci. Um, because <laughs> I've been talking with him kind of regularly, and he's like, man, God's teaching me all of the stuff about time and how God wants us to use our time and how he wants to um, really prepare us and, and seek eternal things when we think about time. And so this morning, that's what I want us to think about. I want us to kind of ask this question is, how are you using your time? And what are you using your time for? And I want to go to the book of James, and I specifically want to look at how are we using our time in our daily rhythms, and our daily walk from day in to day out, kind of through the daily grind. How are we using our time in that way? Because the Bible speaks in a number of ways in how we can use our time from years to months to kind of our entire lifetime. But this morning, I really want to look at kind of our day-to-day, the nitty-gritty, the grind of life, and how God has called us to walk in that. And so, if we look at the book of James, chapter 4, starting in verse 13, this is what James has to say. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do that, or that. And this, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we get to open up your word and allow you to speak to us. And God, I pray that you would encourage us and that you would allow us to make space in our life for you and make space in our life for others in relationship with others, that we might be able to share your love with them, and that we would love the city better because of your spirit in us. God, may your spirit come and enable us and transform us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So the main question here that James is asking is what types of plans are you making? Because at the end of the day, we're all kind of plotting some plans, right? I mean, if I were to ask you right now, what are your plans after church? You might be like, I don't know, but you have a general idea that you're probably going to eat some food afterwards. You probably don't know where, but you're like, I'm going to eat some food. It might be at home, it might be going out, it might be with these people. But we're already kind of thinking about that. We're kind of already there. I could ask you, what are you doing tonight? And you probably have a list of things that you either are going to do or a list of things that you would really like to do and you'd like to see accomplished. Maybe that's take a nap. And that's okay. It's Sunday. Amen. <laughs> But we all have these ideas on how we want to take the next step. We're always kind of plotting forward and we're making plans and we're always kind of scheming, wondering what's going to happen next. Now what I find is that in our scheming and in our plotting and our thinking of the future, a lot of times God gets left out of that equation. It just kind of happens. We just kind of get caught up in the rhythm of life and and we don't even really think about what God wants or what God could have for us even in this next day or in this moment and we just kind of go forward thinking, well, I've got this next plan, I have these next desires. Really, our plans tend to be oftentimes rather selfish and self-serving. And we never allow the space for God 
to speak into that. And I think part of the reason of that is that there's kind of in our subconscious, kind of, a, kind of a, as a result of the fall, right? Because the fall is this place where Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and they're told not to eat this fruit because then they would know what it would be like to be like God. They would, they'd be able to, to have the thoughts of God. And so immediately Eve begins to doubt, and she wonders, is God holding out on me? Is God really good? And I think in the back of our minds, still from this place of the fall, we wonder, is God really good? Does God really have good plans for me? Does he have good plans for me in the next moment? And a lot of times when we think of God's plans and God's plans, we think about the future and we think big things, milestone things that God might have for us in the future. And we think there's no way that surely God would want to speak right now in the daily grind from just wake up, go to bed, take care of the kids kind of thing. And I, and I want to say that God does. God does want to speak, and he does want to speak into our daily rhythmic plans that we have. And so what we realize, what I love, what I love about this, this verse in James is that James says that our life is merely a breath. It's merely a mist or a breath. And I think that that, I don't mean to say that to like put us down and be like, oh man, that's really depressing. Just be like one breath in and out and, like, and we're done. But I say that for like perspective, to kind of realize that whatever it is that we have, whatever it is that we could have, in many ways is already gone. And I think a lot of times our plans throughout the day are focused on acquiring more stuff and doing more things. And we lose this fact that we are just this kind of like humble mist that's here for a season and then is gone. And so what I want us to focus on is kind of the eternal things, the things that would last versus the things that are just temporal, things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And what I want us to do is I want us to be able to see that God has really good plans prepared for us to walk in, that he has prepared in advance before we were even born, that we would walk in them Daily, And so this is how I want us to think about our plans today. It's really kind of catchy, but I hope that, you, that this message will stick with you through these three words. And so the title of today's sermon is first, rhythm. We're going to talk about rhythm. The next thing we're going to talk about is jazz. And then the third thing we're going to talk about is flat tires. All right, so rhythm, jazz, and flat tires. And these words are going to come up throughout the sermon. And now you're probably curious, like, where are we going and what do these words have to do with one another? And so the first word that I want to talk about is rhythm. I'm not talking like the, the tap your foot kind of rhythm, but I'm talking like the rhythm of just kind of our daily lives. Like you wake up at a certain time, you go to work at a certain time, you eat lunch at a certain time. There's a rhythm to life. And then there's also this kind of second rhythm that goes on, and that rhythm happens in our bank accounts and the way that we spend our money. And so as we spend our time, we often spend our money, and there's two different types of rhythm that we walk through daily, and that's our, our time and our money. And so the first one that I want to look at is our time. And the reality is, is that when we look at these rhythms, these rhythms of time and money, is that these rhythms are actually really, really important to us. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, now I'm a really flexible person, Justin. I don't really make plans. I don't have to make plans. I can really roll with the punches. And that might be you, but what I want to say this morning is that when you make a plan and things don't go according to that plan, how does that often make you feel? You often feel offended, frustrated. These plans that you had made had value. They had meaning to them. And so it's important to recognize how much weight we add to the daily rhythms and values that we have. I mean, if your alarm goes off early, if your kid wakes you up early, you're not happy about it. 
You're just not. Because you're like, I set that alarm for seven, not six. I need another hour of sleep. We're frustrated. And that's how we start our day, most of us. Most of us, we like start the day on the wrong step of the rhythm that we prepared. We're like, man, can it get any better from here? And we try and and redeem our rhythm throughout the day by getting what we want. And we think that our rhythms will provide us the fulfillment that we're longing for. And the reality is, is that we are all longing and we're really all kind of dissatisfied with this life. And so what we do with our time is that we try and cram it with as much stuff as we can, hoping that if we could just do enough, if we could just accomplish enough in a day, then maybe we would find the fulfillment that we are looking for. And then maybe we could be happy. And so instead of seeing time as a gift from God, we see it as a resource to be managed. I mean, we call it time management. We know that time is finite, and so we talk about how's the best way that we can use our time. How can we use it in a way that allows us to grow in productivity and progress instead of just kind of resting and being? But these are the things that we boast about the most in our society. I mean, how many times have you told somebody, hey, I would really love to meet with you. I'd really love to get together. But guess what? I'm busy. I look at my calendar. I'm booked solid this week. Maybe next week. I don't know. That's wide open. But I wouldn't want to make any plans for next week yet because next week's not here. And so we boast about our ability to fit a bunch of stuff in. And then what often ends up happening is that we have to say no to some of the most important things in relationships that are in our life. But I know that our rhythms, were stacked. We stack them tight from morning till, till evening, and we're just, we fall into bed exhausted, just gearing up to do it again tomorrow, hoping that maybe tomorrow my rhythm will make me more happy. And in the meantime, we're so busy that we can't experience the joy of life and the joy of relationships that are around us. And so that's kind of time. That's the, the time rhythm. The money rhythm goes hand in hand with the time because what often happens is that when we boast about our busyness and how much stuff we're getting accomplished and how important we are and how, how good we're just killing it this week, we often also boast about how little money we have. That becomes the next excuse. It's like, oh, I'm so busy and I don't have enough money. I'm just... We're just really tight this month. We just, we just don't have enough margin. Sorry, we can't go do that thing with you. Or we say, you know what? It's really tight. Uh, I guess we'll just put it on the credit card this month, and we'll just deal with it next month. Like, because, man, that paycheck's coming, and you know, we'll, just, we'll just take care of it then. But the reality is that not only are our lives packed with our time so tight, but our finances are also incredibly tight, and our finances have a rhythm. And you probably know what that rhythm is, especially if you're the person that's in charge of the finances in your house. I can tell you, in my mind, the mental calendar when stuff comes out of the bank account. I know when bills are paid, and I know how much they are, and I can tell you that we've got a bill coming up that's due tomorrow. All right? I mean, there's this kind of monthly rhythm of money comes in and money goes out, and then there's kind of like this free space where oftentimes more money goes out than comes in, and then we're slammed at the end of the month. We're like, oh man, it's really tight. And so this is oftentimes the picture of our rhythms is that we don't have enough time and we don't have enough money. And I think that um, a lot of times is that we believe that our joy is going to be found in how we spend our time and how we spend our money. We think that if we could just spend enough of our time doing the things 
that bring value to our lives, that we'll be happier, that if we could spend enough money in our lives, then maybe we'd be happy. And I think that this is oftentimes why people freak out when they hear a sermon on giving, because they think it's going to cost them. They're like, you know what? I already have a bunch of things coming out of my bank account. I can't afford one more thing. And we begin to view our faith as something that costs us. And the reality is that our faith is not something that costs us at all, but something that is given for us. It's something that's a gift, and it's something that's beautiful. It's something that we get to participate with joy, and it's something that God calls us to participate in. Because the reality is, remember, as James said, we're nothing but a mist. And so in many ways, that money, that time, it's already gone. It's already spent. I mean, when you think about giving, no matter whatever percentage you want to put on it, whether it's 5%, 10%, you're going to spend that 5 to 10% somewhere. It's already gone. It's already coming out of your bank account. The question is, is where are you going to spend it? Are you going to give it to the Lord? Or is it going to go to your next subscription to whatever? Is it going to go to that dinner out? And I'm not here to make moral judgments on our giving. I'm just saying that giving is important. And a lot of times we don't create space for it because we don't think that there's any joy in giving. We don't think that there's any fulfillment in it. And I just want to challenge us this morning that we, want, we need to create space in both our time and our finances so that we can experience this thing that I call jazz. All right? So we have this rhythm, this kind of cadence rhythm going on in our life. And it's pretty concrete, whether it's your money or whether it's your time. And you just know from month to month. And you're just sitting there. You're like, man, I hope that next month will be better. But we don't do anything to change the rhythm. We don't create any space. And when you think about jazz, and you think about the art of jazz, the beautiful thing is that there is place for spontaneous inspiration and improvisation while maintaining some semblance of a rhythm. And jazz is just kind of a beautiful thing to listen to. Now, sometimes when I listen to jazz, I think it sounds really noisy. But the reality is is that in that noise, there's still a rhythm. There's still a beat. There's still a purpose. There's still some rules to play by. But man, there's a lot of flexibility and freedom, especially on the part of the people playing the instruments. And I think what we need in our lives and inside of our rhythms, and that what God is calling to us is to provide some some space. We need to cut some space out in our rhythm so that we can have enough space to improvise and experience this place that I call jazz. This place where we can move a little bit. This place where we can breathe a little bit. This place where we can have some freedom to see other things going on in the world that aren't just about me and my pocketbook and my time. But it allows us to see our neighbor. It allows us to see our friends. It allows us to invite that couple that we've wanted to have over in our home over for once. And so my challenge to you this morning is that as you think about your plans, as you think about how God might be challenging you about how you spend your time and how you spend your money, that you'd be praying that God would open up some opportunity for jazz to enter into your life, that you'd be able to enter into some spontaneous improvisation with community and relationship with other people. Which brings us to this place that is flat tires. I don't know about you, but how many of you have been on the belt line? Your rhythm, your time is so stacked, it's so full, that you see somebody with a flat tire and you just drive by. You're like, man... I would love to help that person. I know how to change a flat tire. I mean, flat tires are really obvious, right? They're sitting on the side of the road. They got their blinkers on. Like, 
they're often in distress. They're on their phone, and they're like, if they're on their phone, you're like, all right, that's okay. They must have AAA. It's cool. I'm just going to drive by. I mean, that's what I tell myself, right? When I drive by somebody, I was like, well, at least they got a friend. At least they've got AAA. But you know what? Some people don't have AAA. Some people don't have friends. Some people don't have a friend that knows how to change a tire. But day in and day out, we are so busy that we drive by people with flat tires on the belt line day in and day out. Now, the reality is, is that that person that morning, they did not wake up thinking that they were going to have a flat tire on the belt line. Their rhythm and their time is really stacked, too. And they're incredibly inconvenienced. They did not ask for their inconvenience that morning. And I don't know about you, but when I've driven by somebody with a flat tire, I've never looked at them and been like, man, they should have checked their air pressure this morning. You never fault the guy on the road for having a flat tire. But the reality is, is that people in our world have flat tires everywhere. There are flat tires in the grocery store. There are flat tires in your neighborhood. There are flat tires with the person <laughs> that you are frustrated with that cut you off in front of you. There are flat tires in our community. There are flat tires in our schools. There are flat tires everywhere where people are inconvenienced, and they did not ask for that this morning. And we just drive by. And we just drive by because our time is stacked and our money is stacked so tight that we can't enter into this place of jazz and enter in this place of inconvenience with them. But I just want to encourage you guys this morning. It is a holy and spiritual thing to step into someone's inconvenience. I mean, they did not choose to be inconvenienced that morning when their tire blows up on the belt line. But there's something holy and of God where we choose intentionally to step into that person's mess and inconvenience with them and share in their struggle with them. Where you say, hey, I see you got a flat tire. Let me help you out. And that flat tire can be anywhere, like I said. It's this metaphor for this life that we live in. And I think this metaphor is greater, greatly exposed and exemplified to us in the story in the Bible of the Great Samaritan. In this story of the Great Samaritan, I think we're going to see some people that have a hard rhythm. We're going to see somebody that has some incredible space for jazz and what that cost them. And we're also going to see a dude with a flat tire. All right, so let's read the story of the Good Samaritan together from Luke chapter 10. So this is what, how it starts. There's this guy that comes to Jesus. He says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he says to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you shall live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with this story. He said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among some robbers, who stripped and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. There's the guy with the flat tire. Now by chance there's a priest going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. There's a guy, we can read between the lines, that doesn't have space in his rhythm. He's the guy that probably should stop the most. He's a priest. He's a Jew. It's a fellow Jew that's fallen beside the road. But instead, the Jew walks by, and the priest walks by, and he says, no, I have no time for this. I'd really love to. I'd really love to help you. But i got to get to this meeting. 
And the priest goes by. And then we see, likewise, a Levite. When he came to the place, he saw him. He makes eye contact with the guy. He sees that he's got his blinkers on, that he's beside the road. And he passes by on the other side. He also had a really important meeting to get to. You know, spiritual guys doing spiritual stuff don't have time for flat tires. Now, there was, but there was a Samaritan. And as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring, an oil, pouring on oil and wine. And then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and they gave him to the innkeeper and saying, Take care of him and whatever you need, whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when you come back. You see this Samaritan who did not oftentimes relate with the Jew. I mean, these guys were kind of enemies with one another. They, they, had, some, they had some beef with one another. And so the Samaritan, the dude that would be most likely to drive by, especially when he sees kind of the color of the skin of that guy that's got the flat tire, instead of driving by, he stops. Not only does he stop, but he gives up his time. The guy had some space in his life to step into this improvised rhythm that was serving his neighbor. His neighbor that in which the two people groups did not have a great relationship with. So not only does he step in with time, but he steps in with reconciliation. He steps in on mission. And he steps in with love and with care. And he binds up this dude's wounds. And so he's got time. He's got some space. But not only does he have some space and some jazz with his time, but he also experiences jazz with his finances because he takes him to an inn and he pays for him to stay at the inn. And then he tells the innkeeper, hey, guess what? I've got some money. And so whatever it takes for you guys to make this guy well again, I got him. I'm going to pay for his medical bills. It's covered. It's on me. We're good. The Samaritan knew what it was to love his neighbor. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus asks him, he says, which of the three do you think provided, or which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said to him, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. And so the way that we use our time is incredibly significant, especially as it relates to the gospel. Is Jesus Christ Lord over our time? Is Jesus Christ Lord over our finances? And is there space in our lives for us to step into the jazz that he's calling us to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to have eyes to see and ears to hear the flat tires that are around us and to step into the inconvenience of others that are around us because that is the holy place that Jesus has called us to when he's called us to the eternal things, when it comes to our times, he says, our life is only but a vapor, so let's cling to the things that are eternal. And I've found that I think the eternal things exist when we step out of our regular rhythms and into this place of jazz where we can serve and love one another well. It puts us in a place of worship where we can worship the God who kind of stepped out of his rhythm who stepped out of his kind of day-to-day activities in the throne room and came to earth to help fix the greatest flat tire of all, our own sin, our own incompetency, our own ability to save ourselves. And he steps into this kind of life of jazz 
where he imitates for us what this new rhythm of life could look like. And he does it by loving and healing and being present to those that he's around. When you see Jesus, you don't see that he's ever really kind of worried about time. You don't see that he's ever really worried about how much he's going to get done in his day. There's times where like he's kind of off with the Father alone, and the disciples are like, we've spent all morning looking for you, Jesus. You've been wasting our time. He's like, guys, I've been praying. I've been with the Father. I've been abiding. What have you guys been doing this morning? What have you guys been worried about? Jesus is constantly inviting us into this place of jazz for us. And he does the most spontaneous, but yet the most planned and rhythmic and beautiful thing by dying on the cross for us. And in that, fixing the flat tire, the biggest flat tire we have ever had or known. And so Jesus is kind of this true and better good Samaritan. Jesus is living this out. He is fulfilling it. And that moves us to this place of worship It moves us to this place of discipleship, and hopefully it moves us to a place of mission. Now, we talk a lot about mission at Damascus Road, and we serve right middle school. We're partnering with Living Hope. We've done some mission trip to Africa. We did student ministry stuff. We've got some stuff that's like kind of programmed mission, and that's good. Every church needs that. But more importantly, and as I sit and as we pray for the city, And our monthly prayer meetings, what I hear in the hearts of you guys, the people, as you pray for our church and for our body, is that you want this church to be on mission to light this city on fire for Jesus. That they might know the hope that they have in him. And the only way that that's really going to happen is with you being on personal mission where God has called you. And so the best way that Damascus Road is going to be on mission is for you to be on mission in your own life, in your own sphere, with the own people that are around you day in and day out. That's how DR is going to get it done. That's how God's going to get it done. That's how the church has got it done for century after century. That never came through a canned program, but it came through people with conviction and with the hope of the Holy Spirit to create jazz in our lives. Because I'm going to tell you this right now, we need the Holy Spirit to step into our lives. I know my own rhythms. I know my own bank account statements. And I know how I'm stuck in this just kind of droning melodic rhythm where there is very little space for jazz. And the only place that jazz comes into my life is when I ask for the Holy Spirit to come in power and to provide a miracle in my life and my convictions to where I can create that space again. And it's a space where I've asked God to come and he's provided it. But guess what? I get sidetracked. I get distracted. I begin to doubt that God is good. And I start to wonder, I think I could find fulfillment if I just got more done in my day. I think I could find fulfillment if I just spent more of my money. And that's often the place where God leads me to this place of complete brokenness. And he says, come back to me. Let me fill your heart with life again. May you find rest here. And may I send you out with a new rhythm, a rhythm that allows spontaneity, a rhythm that allows you to love your neighbor as yourself, a rhythm that allows you to serve the city well and set it on fire for me. And so that's my prayer for you guys this morning, is that we would examine our rhythms, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to move us to a place of jazz with our time and our finances, and that the Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the flat tires that are around us and that are blatant with blinkers on around us wherever we're at, and that we would be able to step into that 
like the Good Samaritan has. And not only just the Good Samaritan, but like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has in our own life. So let's spend some time in prayer, and we're going to worship the God who is good, who in our moment of distress, in our moment of being on the side of the road and stranded, came to our aid and carried us all the way home. Just pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we have together. I thank you that you are good and that you cast out fear. God, I pray that you would cast out any fear that we would have about surrendering our daily rhythm to you. God, it's scary to say our worth isn't going to be found in what we can accomplish in a day, but it's going to be found in you. God, I pray that that would become true for us, that your Holy Spirit would come and that we would know our identity in you and that we would walk in the confidence. God, I pray that you would work in our checkbooks, that you would allow us to go home and re-examine the Excel sheet and begin to pray over that with you and be like, God, how can we create some space for some jazz so we can love some people? And God, I just pray that, most importantly, that we would know your love that you have for us and how you came and how you got messy and stepped into our incredibly inconvenienced and troubled spot, God, that you have saved us and that we get to live life anew with you. God, let us focus on the things that are eternal and let us let the things that are passing away pass away. In your name we pray, amen.